The purpose of this program is not to prescribe a treatment to individuals. Listeners should consult their healthcare practitioner before attempting any treatment. Good morning and welcome to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host. What if the seemingly unrelated symptoms of chronic pain and depression actually had a single neurologic basis? Today's guest, Dr. Gary Kaplan, asserts this is so. Dr. Kaplan is a pioneer of integrative medicine and one of just 19 physicians board certified both in family medicine and pain medicine. He's a professor at Georgetown University, director of the Kaplan Center for Integrative Medicine, a consultant to the National Institutes of Health, and an advisor for health and human services on chronic fatigue syndrome. He joins us on Health Watch today to talk about his book, Total Recovery, Solving the Mystery of Chronic Pain and Depression, a book that shows how addressing inflammation at its source, the brain, can help with conditions as varied as fibromyalgia, migraines, irritable bowel syndrome, osteoarthritis, and post-traumatic stress disorder. Welcome to Health Watch, Dr. Gary Kaplan. Dr. Naiman, thank you very much for having me on the show. Well, let's start with the, the common origin uh, theory in, in total recovery, that pain and, and emotion can be signs of the same thing. Tell our listeners a little bit more about that. So we have over 100 million people in this country suffering with chronic pain. We have over 38 million people suffering with depression, anxiety disorders, and post-traumatic stress syndrome. And we do a miserable job of treating these conditions. If you look at the statistics, basically if you have either of these conditions alone, you have about a 50% chance at best of recovery. If you have both these conditions together, and that exists in somewhere between 60 to 65% of people that is suffering with chronic pain and a condition such as anxiety disorders or depression, then your chances of recovery drop to as little as 10%. And the reason this occurs is because we don't understand what the origin of these problems are. In fact, the research tells us what the answer is. And the answer is that these are not diseases, but rather they're symptoms. They're symptoms of inflammation in the central nervous system. And the inflammation is mediated by small cells in the central nervous system or part of our innate immune system called the microglia. So if we understand what can potentially cause the microglia to become inflammatory and do damage to the brain, then we can begin to understand how to legitimately treat these conditions and treat them for full recovery. Well, what's really, one of the more fascinating parts about total recovery was the notion that traumas, both physical and emotional traumas, are cumulative, that if we've had uh, an event physical or emotional earlier in our lives, that could set us up or predispose us to having a more chronic uh, outcome from some later event that happens that we might not associate with, with each other. Can, can you talk about the cumulative effect of trauma? Absolutely, and this is an extremely important point. When the brain, anything that damages nerve tissue, okay, can potentially set us up for inflammatory responses, and that can, and they can remain in the system. So inflammation can be caused by long-term stress. Now, it can be severe stress, such as childhood abuse, but it can also be long-term stress, such as being in extremely situa stressful situations under a work uh, condition, and, we, and bullying, for that matter. Studies have demonstrated that all of these cause destruction of neuronal tissue, and that sets off an inflammatory reaction. Now, in some people, this can smolder. What's supposed to happen normally is when the situation is finished, the brain 
smolder and it waits for the next assault. So an example I can give you is a woman that I saw who was in her 30s. Uh, when she was 18 years old, she was involved in a car accident, developed a whiplash injury, and subsequent to that developed fibromyalgia, this kind of generalized pain that she has all over her body. She saw a number of physicians and wasn't able to get any resolution of the problem. When I talked with her, I wanted to find out the totality of her story and see if there were any things that had happened prior to this accident. And in fact, as we got more detailed history out of her, we found that she was having sleep disturbances. And when I asked her about the sleep disturbances uh, in terms of when they had started, she said, well, she's had them all her life. And I said, well, truly all your life? And she said, well, no, it started sometime around 10 or 11. And then she paused and she started to cry. And what came out in that conversation was that she had been raped when she was 11 years old. And she'd never told anybody about this. And this woman has been suffering with post-traumatic stress syndrome. So that was the setup. And no matter how much you did trying to treat her neck pain and her generalized fibromyalgia, you were never going to get to the, the solution until you understood what had happened to her when she was 11. When we treated that, when we addressed that with psychotherapy and uh, trauma therapy, and then subsequently addressed the mechanical issues in her neck and her back, uh, we were able to get complete resolution of her pain. So we have to understand that these problems are cumulative, and it may, it, you know, what's this, it's the tip of the iceberg. What is it that's, that's happened underneath all of this stuff that eventually now shows up as pain or shows up as depression? And until we understand what's underneath the waters of that iceberg and what's at the basis of it, we're not going to be able to get a solution. So... Uh... Why why is going with a, a primarily pharmaceutical approach of pain relievers and antidepressants not the right approach to do to solve this conundrum for people who have a chronic pain that isn't going away? Well, first off, there may be a use for the antidepressants and for the pain relievers, but really what we want to do is get to the source. We'd like to get to what it is that's causing the problem for these individuals rather than just treating the symptom. And so when we use most of these medications, we're aimed at treating symptoms. We're not actually trying to understand how they got sick and why they stay sick. And what, more importantly, what we can do to uh, get them better. So as opposed to keeping people on medications for the rest of their lives, it would be much better to understand uh, what the underlying cause of the problem is, to actually treat the cause that, uh, that results in the symptoms of depression and pain. And, and so when we're talking the cause being brain inflammation, how do we start there? What In conventional medicine, most people aren't really looking at inflammation in the brain as, as a root cause of this. So wh where do you begin with your patients who are coming in? Maybe they have more pain than, than most people would expect for their condition or their pain isn't resolving when people think it should. Or similarly, they have a re uh, depression that's not responsive to, to medications. Where do, you, where do you begin? Well, first and foremost, as you well know, we start with the history, and we need to spend the time to actually take the history. So we spend upwards of two hours with people trying to understand when things began. And the first question I ask people is, uh, you, you were in excellent health until when? And the first thing they do is they lie to me. They don't mean to, but what they do is they say, oh, it started four years ago, December 14th. Uh, when I had this car accident. And then when you get the history, you go, well, I've had migraines since they were 12 years old. They uh, grew up in an abusive family situation, or they were exposed to uh, uh, mold in, a, uh, in an old house that they had lived in that had water damage. 
So what we do is we try and put together a complete picture. And one of the things we've done on our website uh, is uh, allowed people, there's a free timeline that you can download that will help you put in perspective different events in your life and different times when you got sick and didn't maybe quite recover from everything, but just put up with the symptoms that continued on. So we have to first off get a complete picture. Now, the other thing is, since we understand that inflammation in the central nervous system is the problem, then we look at the things that potentially cause inflammation. We've already talked about psychological traumas, but also physical traumas, such as concussions, uh, something we need to get in the history. But things that we do, most people don't think about are things like sleep apnea. That causes a loss of oxygen to the brain. It affects about 5% of the population, and only about 15% of the people in the country who have sleep apnea have been identified. So the overwhelming number of people who have sleep apnea still haven't been identified. So if you're snoring, you're not getting restorative sleep, and you're finding yourself sleepy during the day, you may want to consider that as a possibility. Other things that we know cause inflammation in the central nervous system are exposure to toxins such as heavy metals, lead and mercury, things such as uh, exposure to other toxins and mycotoxins, so toxins produced by molds. And so being able to uh, test for those and find out if you grew up or have been exposed to a uh, water-damaged building where there's potentially black mold growing. Uh, and so it's a matter of walking through all of the things that have potentially caused the inflammation. Infections in this part of the country, Lyme disease is a very significant problem, and the co-infections of Lyme, but also chronic Epstein-Barr infections uh, can sometimes be a cause. So be, by understanding, and this is what I go through in the book, all the different things that can potentially set off the inflammation in the brain, we can begin to understand what to go look for and then how to go about treating it. Other things such as gluten intolerance, 6% uh, of the population has gluten intolerance. And uh, those people can have symptoms as varied from severe migraines and depression and anxiety disorders to mild digestive disorders such as bloating and gas. It, it was uh, interesting, yeah. actually, the, in, in Total Recovery, the section you had called food-induced panic, the idea that there are foods, and in this case uh, uh, some people with gluten intolerance, uh, that can cause anxiety. Yeah, Dr. Damon, you're absolutely correct. And it's, and it's, so gluten is one big one, but there's lots of other foods that people can be sensitive to. And if you get bacterial overgrowth in your gut, uh, you can end up producing chemicals that are actually toxins to the brain also and can produce symptoms as severe as autism. Uh, and so in those circumstances, if we can identify those chemicals in the gut, uh, then we can treat them and actually get resolution of the problem. So in terms of diet and inflammation, is there a general sort of uh, dietary guideline you follow for lowering inflammation? I know there's a lot of debate around low-fat versus low-carbohydrate, and I have guests that come on all the time with contradictory information about proper nutrition. What approach do you take for lowering an inflammatory burden with, with uh, diet, diet? So that's an excellent question, and it's a challenging one. Uh, one of the things, we do things fairly simply. So what I do is I have people start on a diet for a month of rice, fish, chicken, fresh fruits, and vegetables. And what that does is it eliminates the major allergens, which are soy, gluten, uh, milk and milk products, and eggs, and nuts. And so we pull all of that out of the diet, and then we say, okay, how do you feel while you're on this diet? And we also have people keep a, a diary so that they're paying attention to if they're eating other foods, such as corn. Now, uh, I had one case, I had a woman who was allergic to blueberries. If they're having other foods that they find that they're sensitive to. And what happens is once we clear the deck from the big things, uh, 
uh, you can frequently start noticing the little things and start seeing where you where you have your sensitivities. The reason I uh, and I've been talked about a number of times about red meat. The thing about red meat is that if it's grass-fed without hormones and without antibiotics, it's probably fine to keep in the diet. But um, it's very hard to find that kind of beef. And so that's why we, we pull it out of that list. And what about antibiotics in general? You mentioned bacterial overgrowth as it potentially relates to uh, mood disorders. Um, do people need to be concerned about antibiotics and the frequency of use of antibiotics with regards to chronic pain and depression? I think you're absolutely correct. We way overutilize antibiotics, and uh, we need to be very thoughtful about when we're using them and why we're using them. And we also need to be very careful about protecting the gut whenever we're using antibiotics. So anytime anybody's using antibiotics, I think they should be on probiotics. Uh, and uh, I think we need to pay attention to whether or not symptoms develop after they've been on antibiotics, such as bloating or gas or loose stools. Uh, so that we can be attentive to the fact if we've done damage to the gut. Now, for the most part, short courses of antibiotics, people repair from quickly. Uh, but, again, you want to make sure that uh, you haven't done damage by taking too many antibiotics, because that can certainly set you up for problems. We're talking today to Dr. Gary Kaplan, the author of Total Recovery, Solving the Mystery of Chronic Pain and Depression. Dr. Kaplan, in our last minutes uh, today, maybe we can talk about some of the medicines or supplements that you uh, generally recommend to people who are suffering from chronic pain and depression in terms as a both preventative and restorative. Uh, excellent question. And the, there's a wide range of things that you can do. Uh, curcumin is particularly effective uh, as, an, uh, as reducing as an anti-inflammatory, uh, both in simple things like osteoarthritis in the periphery, but also it's shown uh, in a couple of studies to downregulate inflammation in the central nervous system. So using turmeric. Uh, another is the use of omega-3s. We don't get enough uh, fish oils in our diet, and typically I recommend that people take one and a half grams a day of, of a good omega-3 supplement. Uh, also. Uh, vitamin D, the uh, microglia are part of the innate immune system of the body. The innate immune system requires vitamin D to function properly. We have uh, close to 80% of the population are vitamin D deficient in this country. And so taking a vitamin D supplement, though I recommend that you get your vitamin D level checked first uh, and see what the level is. Basically, we're shooting for a level of about 50 to 60, I believe, is ideal. Uh, on the test, and so you'll adjust your supplement accordingly. But obviously the other way to get vitamin D uh, is get out in the sunlight uh, for about a uh, half hour a day, exposure to your arms and legs, head and neck. Um, so those are the main ones. And then other things such as use of CoQ10, which is an antioxidant, can also be very beneficial uh, for people. And then we, get, then we want to get specific in terms of what's going on uh, with somebody's life and what they need. Magnesium is frequently deficient in many, many people, and so taking a good magnesium supplement uh, can be beneficial. Uh, the list goes on, and so um, and, again, and what about individualize it. And what about, Dr. Kaplan, exercise, uh, something that's difficult in a population of people suffering from chronic pain to know um, the best way to uh, get people to, to move and exercise? So exercise is extremely important. It's shown to actually reduce inflammation in the brain and to regenerate uh, nerve cells in the brain. And so any kind of aerobic exercise that we can get somebody involved in. One of the things we tell people is, you know, not, we can't always get rid of pain, all right, but we can get rid of suffering. 
So while pain may not be an option, suffering is. And so getting people to engage in life to the fullest extent that they possibly can, uh, and that means being able to be present with family members and loved ones, uh, being able to do things that are meaningful to you uh, and allowing you to contribute. And so exercise is one of the things in terms of keeping you moving allows you to keep active uh, in your life. And you have to adjust that according to uh, the level of ability that you have. Uh, and the other piece of this is, of course, paying attention to what your needs are, making sure you're getting adequate sleep. Meditation is absolutely brilliant in terms of regeneration uh, for nerves. We know that meditation improves resilience. Uh, we know that meditation actually causes regrowth of neuronal tissue uh, in the brain. And so a regular meditation practice should be part of uh, everybody's lifestyle. So, Dr. Kaplan, unfortunately, we, we don't have much more time, but perhaps you want to mention your, your website in case people wanted to check out uh, the book and, and your practice. Well, thank you. The, the website is Kaplan Clinic, K-A-P-L-A-N, clinic.com. And uh, there's a lot of uh, educational information that's all free on the website. You can subscribe to our newsletter if you'd like to, and that's also free. Uh, so our objective is to get a lot of health information out to people, and we want to do it in as uh, accessible a manner as possible. We have a lot of people who do conferences and lectures for, uh, for us, and we have their lectures on podcasts available on the website. And all of this is free. So kaplanclinic.com, uh, I'd invite you to uh, take a look at the website and please make use of the educational material that's there. Thanks for being on Health Watch today, Dr. Kaplan. Dr. Damon, thank you very much for having me. We're talking today to Dr. Gary Kaplan about total recovery, solving the mystery of chronic pain and depression.